another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Today joining me on the show is uh, the alderman of the 2nd District, Milwaukee, uh, Mr. Uh, Chevy Johnson. Uh, he's going to talk to me a little bit about uh, his uh, political work uh, and why he does what he does. Very fortunate to have him here today. Uh, Chevy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I am looking forward to the conversation we're going to have. Uh, ditto. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing uh, a lot better considering the fact that we don't have 12 inches of snow. Yes. So my back is already thanking Mother Nature for helping us dodge that bullet. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I yeah, I was slipping so much. <laughs> um, yeah, I just like see being able to see like patches of the grass again yeah. is like uh, it makes you feel hopeful. Yeah, I just saw a a meme on Facebook. One of my uh, old friends uh, from high school, she had uh, a meme posted up of one of the characters that Martin Lawrence played on his show. Uh, I think it was Jerome, and he says uh, it's uh, it's light. After six o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> spring, is that you, player? Yeah. Coming from the Himalayas? <laughs> so I'm like Jerome right now. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah, um, yeah, it is very uh, gusty out there. Yes. Um, so, but I hope I don't get blown over uh, when I leave the house later today. But um, yeah, so what have you done so far today? Uh, today, I, uh, again, thank the. the the, the gods, Mother Nature, for not dumping a, a mountain of snow on us. Yeah, right. I uh, took my son to school uh, this morning, dropped him off um, at uh, 710, uh, went to City Hall to answer some phone calls and emails, uh, stopped at a constituent's uh, home in my district. They had a petition regarding a business uh, in their uh, neighborhood uh, that they actually would like to see shuttered. Um, so spoke to uh, him on that, collected the petition, went out to a uh, business improvement district that's uh, 20 years old now sure. uh, in my district and is uh, doing a, a visioning sort of session to create their own sort of narrative uh, for the area. Uh, and now we're here. Great. Awesome. Well, I uh, appreciate you uh, making uh, time to stop in today. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So uh, what we talk about on Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion, and creativity. And um, yeah, so I guess... To start, um, our, so were you uh, born and raised in Milwaukee? Yes, I was. I was born and raised here. Uh, we moved around a lot, but uh, I was born at you know, Mount Sinai Hospital. Mm -hmm. uh, first neighborhood was uh, over in Washington Park. And like I said, we moved around a ton. Sure. But uh, all that has been, been here, been here in Milwaukee. Very nice. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I guess I'd like to hear a little bit about your own, a little bit about your background. Like growing up, when did you start uh, uh, getting like an initial um, uh, interest slash uh, aspirations in, you know, local politics? Sure. So my path to this point where I am currently, and it, you know, who knows in the future, it may uh, go beyond where I am uh, right now. Uh, it all started when I was 14 years old, mm -hmm. uh, really, uh, to get to where I am. Uh, two things happened uh, that year, and it was 2000, 2001, actually. Um, so I got involved with uh, a pre-college mentoring program uh, called Sponsor of Scholar that was offered uh, through the YMCA. And that program, the goal of it was to get low-income students from Milwaukee Public Schools, like me, uh, and get us to go off to college. And for a lot of us, I think for all of us really, 
we were the first people in our family to, to go to college. Mm -hmm. um, the other part of that program was to get those same young people involved in community service and giving back. And I just, I fell in love with, you know, the community service sort of piece, you know, going to Easter Seals to help out there, helping seniors to rake leaves or to shovel snow, sure. doing all this. I just, I, I fell in love with, with the service aspect. Um, <clears throat> the, later on, later on in that same year, in 2001, 9-11 uh, happened, of course. And I'm a, a freshman in high school. I went to Bay mm -hmm. High School. And, you know, for me, where I lived at the time, it took 50 minutes every morning to, to ride the bus to school. Oh, wow. Ride the county bus to school. Sure. And 50 minutes back. And uh, that morning, on September 11th, I got on the bus and did my you know, roughly hour ride uh, down to school. Um, and then during the time of the attacks, I just had this ill that sort of came over me. And so, I mean, to the point that I had to, to leave, to, to go home. And, um, you know, I'm a 14 year old, you know, young man, I love video games. Um, I love, you know, comic books, I love Batman, you know, yeah. all that sort of stuff, right. Legend of Zelda, stuff like that. Um, I didn't take the day as a sick day and just, you know, sort of heal up by, you know, playing video games or watching Batman. At 14 years old, I said, you know, I need to know what's happening in my city, in my state, and in my country. And I never will forget that, you know, after watching, you know, the news, which I started doing at the time, I'll never forget, you know, seeing these stories about teachers rolling, you know, the, the, the televisions in the classrooms. I didn't get to experience that because I was on the way home and my mom was uh, in the house with her hand over her face just in disbelief. And that's when I started watching that stuff. And when I saw, I mean, I'm a Democrat, yeah. uh, even though my office is officially not partisan. Um, when I watched the news and I saw President Bush go to what was the World Trade Center, and just sort of rally people around and bring people together. Um, that's when I knew. I said, you know, I, I had a light bulb that went off in my head and said that politics, a career in government, is an opportunity for me to get up every day to continue doing the service that I fell in love with with the YMCA. Mm -hmm. And so from 14 years old uh, on, I just, I, I never steered off that path. Mm -hmm. I stayed on it and I went to UW-Madison uh, studied political science. I didn't need to switch majors a million times. I already knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, my first spring break in college was not to a beach in Florida. It was to New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina to help uh, folks on the Gulf Coast. I studied abroad in London helping uh, at-risk young people. Uh, <clears throat> did some other service projects uh, around the United States. Uh, returned home after college, worked on workforce development, helping seniors to retool to get back into the workforce mm -hmm. probably for the last time and helping young people through our Earn and Learn program to get into the workforce for the first time. Uh, ran for office uh, for county board. Uh, lost pretty badly. Really? Yeah, I got crushed. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't even close, it was terrible. Um, and then the next year, I happened to move around, as young people do. Uh, another opportunity, another special election presented itself, and I ran again. Um, somehow, someway, I lost worse the second time than I did the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I stayed at it. I stayed, you know, being involved in the community. Uh, Mayor Barrett saw the work that I was doing uh, out there, and uh, he recruited me to come into his office. And so I got the chance to serve the community from that uh, point. And then um, the previous, you know, alderman uh, in this district decided to challenge Mayor Barrett in 2016 and not run for re-election, presenting an opportunity for me to run, you know, a third time. And, yeah. Um, I learned some things from the, 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 the two previous losses as well as, you know, working on other campaigns and uh, I decided to run for it and 
Here I am now. Now I'm the old. Very nice. Oh. And you, uh, you definitely, you, that persistency. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's amazing to hear of that journey. Um, yeah. Uh, I was five when 9-11 happened. Uh, so, you know, that was my first week of kindergarten. Really? Yeah. And you have absolutely no concept what's going on at that age. Like, I remember, I think I vaguely remember seeing it on TV and had absolutely no idea, like, like, to the large scale, like, panic that was going on, like, such a, like, you know, heinous terror attack that happened, you know, on her own soil. Like, I, at five years old, like, you have absolutely no idea what's going on. Um, you know, like, we, uh, I remember taking world history in high school and, like, we, wa we watched, like, you know, actual, like, footage and, you know, the, the actual, like, uh, coverage that was going on from the news at the time. Like, we watched, like, all that coverage of 9-11 and I was 15 when I took that class and saw that and I remember being so, like, it was so to watch it was so i mean it was heartbreaking but it also like the footage the actual footage you see of people like actually like of like you know in such a major city like footage of like you know the planes crashing and people like you know falling to their deaths and then the buildings collapsing like actually watching that when you're a teenager and like actually have like you know like, the developed mind to understand, like, what's going on in the world. Like, I remember that was so, like, scary and made you, it makes you feel like it gives you that, like, you know, existential dread of, like, evil that's happening in the world and everything. And I think that the most beautiful way that you can, the most important way, really, like, to respond to that, that terror, that dread, is to look inwardly at what you can do as an individual to make a change. Like, if, whether it's on a local scale, a regional scale, a national scale, like, the impact you can make um, to better, to make the world a better place. And, and that's like, that's really inspiring to hear that, you know, you felt that and you, you used that you saw that happening and that was what, like, that was a big part of, like, what inspired you to, you know, want to make people feel less afraid, less alone, and, yeah, serve your community. Yeah, that's the beauty of um, the message of people like Dr. Martin Luther King yeah. and uh, John F. Kennedy uh, and uh, Robert Kennedy in that... Um, they recognize the potential in the individual. Mm -hmm. you know, anybody can be great because anybody can serve. Uh, sometimes it takes you know, things to initiate somebody to go and to do that, but uh, when that happens and a fire is lit, you know, there's no telling what folks are able to do. Yeah. They just have to be put uh, in, a, in a direction in order to do it. And like I said, for me, it's, I'll be 34 this year, so it's mm -hmm. been 20 years that I've been focused on service, you know, in this community, uh, and I don't see any, I don't see myself stopping anytime soon. Neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you were saying earlier, you had a 
quite an odyssey to get to where you are, for sure. So I guess I'd love to hear a little bit about, like, beyond college, uh, studying political science, like, how would your political career, like, uh, like, what were positions you held, like, up to the one that you're doing now, um, that would kind of be instrumental in your journey? Yeah, well, I think, you know, whether it's a big thing or a small thing, you know, every step is an important step. Yeah. And, um, in the realm of, of, of politics and campaigns, I, I feel like I've kind of done it all. Mm-hmm. Um, I was an intern um, for you know elections and, and you know political parties. I um, I worked in a number of campaigns. I went you know door knocking and, you know when I was much younger for people that I feel like I aligned with but mm-hmm. had never met. Yeah, <laughs> but you know you know you're you're the kid and so you kind of. You're not necessarily going to get coffee, but you're going out in the cold and you're, you know, dropping, you know, literature off at people's doors and things like that. Um, you know, the opportunity to uh, intern for the Democratic Party uh, of Wisconsin uh, on Governor Doyle's uh, re-election campaign uh, back in 2006. Right. Um, I have, you know, been a treasurer on other, you know, folks, you know, political campaigns. Um, uh, obviously, you know, being a candidate myself, I've done phone banking, you know, for for folks. Sometimes mm-hmm. folks that I that I've you know never even had the opportunity to meet. Um, even today, I mean, I go out and I help, you know, people to knock on doors mm-hmm. in, you know, other parts yeah. of of Milwaukee or Milwaukee County. Even I know, um, not not terribly long ago, I was up in uh, in Glendale and mm-hmm. some other areas, you know, farther to the north of Milwaukee County, helping. Uh, Emily Segrist, when she was running uh, for the assembly, and I know she's running again here, um, you know, doing things like that. You know, right now, I'm trying to use my uh, social media um, to encourage people to support uh, my friend, and the person who I believe will be the next Milwaukee County Executive, David Crawley, mm-hmm. um, as he you know, is, is in that race. Yeah. Um, I did the same thing for John Brostoff, who's another good friend of mine. Shout out to... John Brostoff. Yeah. Love that, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, actually, it, it's funny because um, um, when Jonathan was, I've, I've known John for a long time, yeah. and when John was first running for the assembly, um, he was just at people's doors just nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And I knew, you know, that I was going to run again at some point. And whenever I got tired, you know, out there on the trail, and I started, you know, I, I packed up my box in the mayor's office. I worked all my life to get to, to that sort of point. I yeah. got into City Hall and, you know, I was in the mayor's office and I'm, you know, 26, 27 years yeah. old uh, at the time. I packed up my box and I left. And the inspiration that I had to keep on going when I felt tired on the campaign trail, seven days a week, you know, from sun up to sundown, was seeing how much effort that John DeBrostoff was putting yeah, in because right. that man was a beast oh, yeah. uh, on those doors. Totally. And that's why I'm the beast that I am today because I followed Jonathan's yeah. <laughs> lead. So yeah. shout out to John DeBrostoff. Big yes. shout out. He was the first politician I had on the show. Oh, yeah? Yes. Uh, it was right when his uh, the uh, deaf rights, uh, hard of hearing oh, bill sure. passed. Mm-hmm. Right before he cut his hair. Right before he got the haircut. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, and it was it was great to like actually talk to him and sit down and hear from his journey as well because he grew up serving you know underprivileged, underfunded communities and programs and he he did yeah tirelessly work and is committed to the people. Mm-hmm. We love to see that for sure. Um, yeah, I met Mayor Barrett a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
don't think he remembers me, but it was, I mean, it was in the UWM Union, you know, he walks around there sometime. It was around, like, the time of the 2016 election, I remember. It, it is, like, it's, it is great to, like, see and hear from, uh, you know, local politicians that are actively, like, you know, part that are, you can find just, like, you know, in the public sphere, like, on the street and have, like, real actual conversations with them. That's, and like you were saying, like, hearing from them, like, that, you know, person-to-person intentional interaction is what, you know, gives politicians like yourself, you know, like, actual, like, real insight on what the people want, what they need, and, like, what, you hear real stories, and, yeah, and that's why I love doing the show, for sure, for the same reason. Yeah, and it's interesting to hear you say that, because that's the sort of uh, strategy that I've employed since I've been in office. Uh, One of the things that was a sort of pet peeve of mine, I think a pet peeve of you know my constituents and other people as well, is that you know, for too many people in elected positions, you know, you don't see them very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see them at election time, of course, right. when they're coming around for your yeah. vote. Uh, but other than that, uh, sometimes it's it's hit or miss, you know, for you to see them. And I wanted to be very intentional um, in the way that I approached, you know, my time in public office. And making sure that I was extremely accessible to the people that I represent, mm-hmm. and so this is kind of unheard of, but you know, almost every week since I was elected back in April of 2016, I made an effort to continue to go out to doors, just like I was when I was campaigning, right. just to knock on people's door and to talk to them on their doorstep uh, about what they like, what's going on in their neighborhood, what needs what needs improvement, and to show my face. To them outside of an election period, um, you know, we have hosted probably more you know community meetings than probably any elected official I want to say um, in the term that we've been in office here. Right. We've done in district office hours so that folks uh, in my district don't have to go all the way to city hall, don't have to make an appointment. You know, you just pop in to this location, come and see me. You know, once a month we do this informally. Um, and you know we can talk about whatever you need, whatever you want. I got my mobile office with me, so I yeah. can you know uh, liaison with you know my aide in the office or city department in order to get the services that people that people want. It's important to make sure that when you're in an elected position, that you know that people see you beyond election time. Right. And that's exactly what I've tried to do mm-hmm. uh, since I since I've been in office with my uh, in district office hours that happen once a month, my regular community meetings uh, that that I do, giving people you know tremendous access to me. Uh, answering my own emails, uh, depending on the time of the day and what's going on, right. and hitting the phone uh, myself, uh, and also, you know, going to people's doorsteps, mm-hmm. you know, just like it was during the campaign. You know, back then, every single week or so, you know, I try to make sure that I get out there and just hit some doors and talk to people on the ground in their neighborhood to see, you know, what it is that they that they need, what mm-hmm. it is that they like, where I can improve, um, and what is going on overall yeah. in the neighborhood. What are some stories that have stuck with you over the years? Stories that have stuck with me, um, obviously I think, you know, uh, it's, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention off top because it's, you know, happening in just a couple of months, um, the DNC. Uh, yes, it is. Going on and being able to Very be exciting. one of the people that was able to vote for, you know, Pfizer Forum to, to move forward, um, keeping the bucks, you know, here, but also laying a foundation to bring, you know, the first, um, large-scale uh, political event uh, of its kind uh, to Milwaukee uh, because we you know, took the action that we did 
and that's going to have tremendous you know, ripple effect, not just downtown, but throughout the neighborhoods as well. Um, so that uh, is something, um, some of the pieces of legislation and initiatives that we've been able to accomplish since I've been in office, um, you know, they, they say that when you serve in a position like this, it's not just you, it's, it's your entire family that serves. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's no different in, in my household. Now we got, you know, three children, a nine-year-old uh, who's in fourth grade, and uh, twin, he's a boy, and I got uh, twin daughters as well. Uh, there'll be two uh, next month, and obviously my wife, uh, Dominique. And she has served with me uh, absolutely, you know, during this whole, during this whole process. Uh, I was very proud when uh, we were able to accomplish getting uh, feminine hygiene products available in city government restrooms. Great. Because you know, for you know, people like you and me, you know, we're men. Like we walk into any restroom in America, and all of our basic needs are met. Right. And it was not that way for women. And uh, it was a conversation with her, with with my wife, that uh, that sparked the idea that hey, you know, that's not fair. So. We were very intentional about making sure that those products are available uh, in restrooms across city government, whether you're coming to pay your taxes, you're going to the library to study, you're going to our development center to you know, perhaps start a new business, yeah. you're going to a health clinic you know, to check on your status, and you've got those things available to you. Uh, yeah. We work to create an office on early childhood initiatives because it's important to make sure that you know, all the walk-ins, especially our youngest uh, uh, residents and constituents, have the best opportunity to put their best foot forward and that office is going to sort of be the glue to raise standards uh, so that young people particularly mm -hmm. our kids you know have the opportunity to do just that uh, I was proud to you know being a new dad myself um, congrats thank you yes. very much uh, having the opportunity to lead the charge lead the effort to get uh, baby changing stations in restrooms that can accommodate them across the city government yeah. um, because city government is supposed to be open to the people and uh, we don't want it to be off-putting if you have a small child if you're coming down to a committee meeting or the like uh, you know parents shouldn't have to balance their kids you know on their lap in a stall and put their babies on the floor in order to change a diaper there should be those amenities that are available Absolutely. and not just in the women's restroom but also in the men's we yeah. made sure that, that was the case right um, so we did that and probably a controversial thing, but uh, something that I felt was important that we needed to do was pass a ordinance outlawing the practice of conversion therapy, um, you know, here in the city. And right. I know that the state had tried to get action done on this, you know, some time ago. But uh, one of my friends reached out to me um, and you know told me about it, and I said this is something that we need to do to do something about. And we did, and Milwaukee became the first city, the first community uh, in the state of Wisconsin to outlaw the practice. And we've been followed since by a number of communities from Racine to Superior. Trevor Madison Young. Declared, my, my, my main man, Trevor Shout Young, out to Trevor Young. Who, he'll, he'll tell you, was yeah. uh, an intern in my office, and that's what oh, yeah. started him off. So. He's been here before. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we love Trevor. Good, good man. Good yeah, man. very good man. Totally. That's... That's incredible. That's lovely uh, to you know, um, you know that you're you're taking a stand against child abuse at the end of the day. I feel like that, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you, so you uh, got elected in is it uh, April of twenty sixteen? Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's been coming going on four years yeah. now. Wow. Yeah. 
that fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I guess like, uh, so the second district is, uh, I was reading a little bit up on it, uh, it serves 40,000 residents? About 41,000, yeah. Sure. Wow. Um, yeah, so I guess, so, um, yeah, what um, have been some uh, things that uh, you have been, ordinances or victories or things that you've worked on in that community of the second district, like how you've been working to improve the, the community? Yeah, sure. So when I was running for office uh, initially, uh, the, I told constituents that I was going to be a responsive, accessible, and dependable you know, elected official. Mm -hmm. And I think we've hit those, those benchmarks. Uh, we have been very, very responsive, you know, to our constituents. As a matter of fact, you responded to me just to, <laughs> like on a personal level, like Facebook Messenger. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, and so because I think that's important. It's important yeah. again for your elected officials to be visible and accessible to you, totally. not just during election time, right. you know, but throughout the term uh, as well. So, um, so that's one of the things that I thought you know would be very important for us. You know, if we had one uh, office, it's something that we've 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 maintained. Mm -hmm. um, the staff that I've had in my office, and you know, alders are only afforded one staff. I've had you know two uh, during the time that uh, that I've been alderman here. Sure. But uh, I instill into my staff, you know, you know, the one staff that I give, that service delivery is of the utmost importance. We don't sit on things when they come into our office. When somebody calls, when somebody emails, we 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 delegate that stuff to departments right away so that those issues uh, can be taken care of. So um, so we've been very responsive uh, and accessible uh, that way. Uh, I ran on three other you know I think pretty crucial bread and butter issues. Uh, one being public safety, uh, one being infrastructure investment, one being you know economic development. And uh, as it relates to public safety, I mean, I'm proud to report, and it was in my most recent uh, newsletter as well, that overall crime in the second aldermanic district had plummeted by about 33% from the time that I got in office. And I think that part of the reason why that happened in large part is due to the fact that you know, we held so many community meetings that we reached out to the constituents in our neighborhoods and we encouraged them, hey, you know, when things are not, when things are going awry in your neighborhoods, when things are not happening as they should, contact contact me, mm -hmm. call us, email us, let us know. Uh, also, make sure you report that, that, that stuff to the police every single time. Does it take, you know, five minutes, a little bit more of your time? Yes. Uh, can it be annoying to do? Yes. Does it make your neighborhood safer, though? Absolutely. Yeah. So report the information to us, and if you want to do it anonymously, I will make, you know, the, the complaint to police uh, on your behalf, so that the information still gets hit. My sort of strategy around it had been to, you know, have them to contact the police, and have me to contact the police, and for them to talk to their neighbors, and have their neighbors to contact the police. Mm -hmm. That way, you know, the police are getting hit three times on one issue, creating greater, you know, police uh, presence, you know, in those neighborhoods. Yeah. I also encourage them to make sure that. You know, they get to know their neighbors, mm -hmm. the ones that live, you know, in front of you, behind you, and on either side of you, right. making sure that you tighten up the fabric of neighborhoods that way. Um, so, uh, so I'm very proud, you know, of the effort that, uh, that we've been able to do there. As it relates to infrastructure, gosh, I mean, we, we've worked, you know, together with our Department of Public Works, 
into the state and with the state to, to some degree to get a number of projects, street improvement projects throughout the second district. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you probably are familiar and your uh, viewers might be familiar with the, as well, the city of Milwaukee's high impact paving program. Basically it's a program where the city comes in, rips up basically the top you know, layer or two or inch or two of you know, the, the street surface and within a day or two weather dependent, uh, we're able to lay a nice, you know, fresh new, um, you know, pavement surface. Sure. Yeah. We've been able to get a number of those projects, you know, throughout the second district on some really beat up roads. Right. Um, and I think, you know, our constituents are very, very happy with that. Um, there were some other stretches of road, these heavily traveled, you know, roads that were in need of not just a, a facelift like that, but complete reconstruction. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm proud that you know, we were able to get. Uh, when we first got in office, uh, stretch of Pinalak Avenue from Capitol to 68th uh, Street done, got 91st Street from Mill Road to Good Hope done, and uh, on deck uh, here in 2020, uh, 60th Street from Capitol uh, over to Hampton. So um, we've got a lot of stuff done, awesome. and, and I'm proud of our record here. That's wonderful. Great to hear. Absolutely. So going into this uh, year of 2020, uh, what are some uh, goals that you have? Um, you know, in your community and, uh, you know, what, how you hope to continue to enrich the work you've already been doing. Yeah. So uh, in the, in the district, I want to continue being the accessible, dependable, reliable alderman that I had been uh, from the onset of my uh, tenure in office. Um, so it's my goal to continue um, doing that doubling down on you know the number of doors that we get out and do on a you know, weekly or so basis um, you know I often tell business uh, owners you know in the district that it's important to make sure that the facades of your business are up to par that this the signage and the like is professionally done because let's face it you know, if, if you get you know some crappy you know perhaps you know hand-drawn sign on your window and stuff like that yeah you're gonna get some foot traffic from folks who live in the neighborhood but if you want to bring in, you know, people who are, you know, constant passers-by, uh, you, your, your business has to look the part. Um, and it makes it your business and, by extension, the, the, the district a more inviting place to be. And so, you know, in the next term, I'm really going to work with business owners to make sure that they're aware of the programs like our facade grant that we have in the city to help to spruce up the image of their business and, therefore, the district as well. Uh, I'm going to continue taking those phone calls from residents in the neighborhood uh, and working with our Department of Neighborhood Services to uh, get rid of nuisance activities, you know, out uh, out in the neighborhood. And um, I'm just going to continue doing the work that we've been doing you yeah. know, this this whole time, um, trying to push the district and therefore the city forward. Absolutely, we're excited for the DNC for sure, and that'll be very exciting. Yes, it will be. I I cannot wait for that. It's going to yeah. be just. You know, four days of, of, of excitement um, and all the the eyes of the world focus you know on on the city of Milwaukee, yeah. and it's a tremendous opportunity again, not just for downtown, but for you know businesses and, and residents really too to be a part of that process uh, throughout the entire city. So you know, for folks you know out there that are watching that want to be a part uh, of the action, you know, they make sure that they sign up uh, on Milwaukee Twenty Twenties um, you know dot com on the website there. Um, and also give a business, a venue to host meetings and, and the like, because there'll be thousands of meetings outside of mm -hmm. you know, Pfizer Forum all throughout the, the greater Milwaukee area. Make sure you, you know, sign your venue up as well so you can mm -hmm. get some of that business too. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
we will be uh, taking extensive note of that for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess like one of the last, probably the last question I have for you is like, what are like? I know that you've, uh, you know, you were born and raised here. You grew up here. Uh, your career is here. What are some of like? What are some of your favorite things about our city that uh, have retained you here for so long that have made you want to work so hard to make it, you know, such a vibrant community? Yeah, um, you know, I didn't, I never played sports or anything. Neither did I. Uh, I don't know if you noticed when I came in the door, but I'm not, I'm like five foot nothing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm five eleven, and I still never played sports. So. So. So I never really, you know, got the chance to ball or anything like that. Um, so I guess I sort of, you know, had a sort of analogy in that, you know, if I take my ball and go somewhere else, go play in some other court, then what happens to home court? Right. You know, so I'm concerned about Milwaukee um, in that respect. Uh, that's one of the things that, that keeps me here. Then, too, is just like it's pride of, of where you are, where you come from. Like, why am I going to go to some other established community instead of working to build my community up. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, you know, it, it's fine to have, you know, these other places that folks, you know, can go to and for me, you know, and others to, to visit, but instead of having the same, you know, one, two, three places to go to, let's make sure that we build this place up so that there's another place, you know, for folks mm -hmm. um, to come and visit and hopefully to, you know, to, to live in. Now, that's part of the reason why we, uh, are working to uh, get our millennial task force, you know, off the ground, which will actually happen. Their their first meeting is this Friday, Great. working to make sure that you know affected you know millennials you know have an opportunity to to let us know what are the the things that make Milwaukee attractive mm -hmm. to young people that either want to live, work, play, you know, start you know the the jobs of the future. Um, uh, Thinking about those things and presenting recommendations to the council so that we can take action, you know, on those things. Um, the diversity of our city, I think, is 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 a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I talked about my time uh, in the YMCA um, and the, the the visioning thing that I was at this morning. This is a diverse group of people, uh, right. not just you know, the people that I work with the YMCA, but even at even this morning at that thing, just the diversity of people from all backgrounds and walks of life that want to see this this city do well. And uh, I mean, even over time, the people that I've had the opportunity to meet, uh, not just since I've been in office, but you know, outside of it as well. Even people that you've had on this show. I mean, you're talking about you know having you know, Representative Brostoff on here. I know you know. I think probably in your last one, you had uh, my, one of my best friends, Drace. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah, uh, Drace. Yeah. So like, yeah. you know, just it's those sort of people and the dynamism, the dynamism that they bring that gives me hope. You know, for the future of our city. Yeah, I think the future is bright for Milwaukee. We just have to keep on working at it. Agreed. That's right. Yeah, I, it uh, it does. Um, it is disheartening to see when uh, folks depart from Milwaukee. Um, you know, I'm very involved in the creative scene here, and I think we have. You know, we're speaking on diversity here. Like we have everything as far as creative outlets go. Like we have a, an amazing music scene. Mm -hmm. A great film scene, uh, poets, uh, visual artists. You know, we're we're here in River West. You know that that is a integral part of our community here. Uh, you know, folks with 
folks that come from low-income backgrounds um, that use art to empower, you know, their friends, their family, their neighborhood, and, uh, you know, our food, like, we have the best, we have such great food, I have such a big list of restaurants <laughs> I still haven't been yeah, to right. yet. Me too. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just tried the Tandem this past week. Oh, it's great. It's so great. Love it, love it there. Oh, the Cajun fries, amazing. <laughs> uh, I love the Tandem, yeah, uh, food, beer, um, I love beer, and the, we have some great breweries that I still haven't been to all of them, we're an amazing lake. Yep. Uh, that is great when it's nice out. Um, yeah, I honestly, a lot keeps me here too, and I'm from Chicago. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I love, I have no reason to leave. Say, since you brought up the lake um, and all the diversity, you know, it, it's, it, we'd be remiss to not mention the fact that, you know, in that diversity, the largest uh, component of, of that diversity is the African American community yeah. uh, here in this community. And, um, there are, for people of color, uh, a, a host of issues that uh, has, has made Milwaukee a place that is not necessarily so desirable to, to folks like that. Right. But those are things that we have to continue working on. Mm -hmm. And when you mentioned the lake, it just makes me think about you know, my experience here. Uh, I've, I've had the, the privilege and the opportunity to travel all over the country from the West Coast to the East Coast, I've been to the Pacific, been to the Atlantic, obviously been down to the Gulf Coast, um, and you know, live here you know, mm -hmm. on, on the Fresh Coast. Right. Um, but for too many kids, as I was coming here, I was reminded, you know, when you're coming east on Locust and you go over that hump there, for too many black kids and brown kids in this community, we don't get beyond that hump, you know? And for, for too many kids, even though you live not terribly far away, you never even see the lake. And I was one of those kids too. Yeah, I think I was, you know, probably a teenager, you know, by the time that I really got the chance to, to see and experience, you know, Lake Michigan. So it's 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 great that we can talk about the diversity and the wonderful things that uh, that we have here, you know, in our community. But we also have to recognize that right. for you know this community that has so much privilege and pleasure for some. Uh, also has not been um, has also not been you know uh, a place that you know many people who are low income uh, who you know are working poor who are people of color uh, that they feel included in and those are things that all of us collectively not just elected officials but folks uh, in well-to-do areas um, folks in our neighborhoods just generally have to recognize yeah. and have to work to solve right cannot be overlooked, it has to be acknowledged, and, you know, we have to, yeah, like, all of us have to, um, you know, look inward and look outward in how we can continue to integrate what we can do within our means to help shift, you know, the socioeconomic divides of Milwaukee, yes, and, um, yeah, and that comes from hearing from folks that live in those areas, that comes, it, what you were saying, you know, you've you reiterated going door to door a lot and hearing from um, what uh, realities uh, folks may uh, be dealing with, um, you know, what, what they want to see in their community, not just in their own neighborhood or their own zip code, but, you know, how we continue making that conversation of what everyone wants in Milwaukee, and that should be that, that robust and... Um, that 
diversity realized to its fullest. Absolutely. So, well, uh, Chevy, it was great to talk to you, man. I, I really, really enjoyed uh, hearing uh, about growing up, like, why, like, you know, you wanted to make Milwaukee a better place and what, how you lived into your vision and what that meant to you personally and how you continue to do that. Uh, uh, really fortunate to be able to talk to you for sure. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you for inviting me down. Man. You bet. Appreciate it. Yeah, so as we close out, uh, I ask everyone the same two questions as we end. Uh, first, uh, uh, Chevy, what keeps you up at night? Uh, well, mostly these days, uh, it's two little girls, one named Madison, one named Bella. Shout out to Madison and Bella. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, you know, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be two next month. Right, so. yeah. You know, the, the terrible twos are starting, they're starting to walk around, and, yeah. you know, uh, they're not, they're not on a, a, right. a sleep schedule yeah. that, uh, you know, all of us can appreciate yet. Less they, than they optimal can. for... They, they can, but we can't. Right. You know, yeah. So, <laughs> so, mo so mostly them, but uh, in all seriousness, though, um, I mean, the issues that we see in our city are things that should, should, should concern all of us. Um, we talk about, you know, access to family-supporting jobs. Uh, I just read an article the other day about um, the rise in African-Americans who you know, are dying you know, in vehicle, vehicular crashes, probably associated with you know, the, academic, the epidemic of reckless driving uh, in our community. Um, the, the, the notion of um, employers you know, dropping family-supporting uh, job opportunities well outside of the city limits, not putting them in neighborhoods where people actually you know, need the access to those jobs. And uh, the fact that um, the state does not give the city or the county uh, the money that it needs in order to make sure that we can have a robust public transportation system in order to get the people from where they are to mm -hmm. where these family supporting jobs are, which also would help to stabilize neighborhoods, help people to buy homes. Um, and create safety, you know, overall in neighborhoods. Those are the things that, that sort of keep me up at night. Of course. Um, you know, my kid, um, my son is an NPS student, just like I was an NPS student, and my uh, daughters will be as well. Um, I'm voting for the referendum to increase funding, you know, for Milwaukee Public Schools, and um, I hope that, you know, all your, you know, viewers uh, do as well. That's very important. You have to. It's, it's so important to make sure that every young person, no matter what zip code you live in, has mm -hmm. opportunities to succeed. And it, for a lot of folks, you know, it, it starts in the home, yes, but an extension of that is the classroom. Um, and outside of what we are able to do ourselves, uh, the state's supposed to be a partner in that. If they're not going to be there, then we need to, to make sure that we're picking up the slack more yep. to support our kids. So those are things that, those are things that keep me up at night, too. Yeah. Uh, um, I saw an article this morning shared. There's been something about 20 uh, folks in Milwaukee had been have died this year. Yeah. This year, and 12 of them have been women and have children. Been women and children. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. and you know, since I've been you know an elected official, um, I I don't know how many times you know I have reached out to, called out, you know, challenged the state to do something about gun law here uh, because. People will typically contact you know folks like me at the city. You know they'll contact Mayor Barrett. They'll contact me as the alder. They'll say, you know, what are you guys doing about guns? And you know, for us at the city level, the Milwaukee Police Department takes guns off the street. Okay. Um, as a matter of fact, in a recent year, they took more guns off the street here 
than were taken off, yeah, per capita at least, in New York City, which is oh. some magnitude of eight times our size. Oh. Uh, probably even more than that. Um, so we're doing our part. The problem is, you know, why is it that people who should not have access to guns in the first place get that access? And an incident that happened in my district, not terribly long ago, one of the uh, people that was killed, you know, this year uh, was a mother uh, who was a mother of five who was pregnant with a six on a party bus and she was shot outside of a, an establishment you know, in, my, in my district by somebody, you, you do a simple CCAP search on him. And he had, uh, I think, at least three class A misdemeanors. Wow. And one of them was you know, resisting an officer, but still, still, the state decided to give him a permit for a gun. That just doesn't make sense to me. No. And then you know they, they, they turn around and they blast Milwaukee, saying that you know it's unsafe and all this. But they're not helping. They're continuing to help people to get access to guns who shouldn't have them in the first place. And it's so very frustrating. Yeah, I agree. Wholeheartedly agree. What puts you to sleep? What puts me to sleep? Um, long work days. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I, my day usually starts, you know, 5 or 5.30 as I'm getting, you know, getting ready and getting my son ready to go to school. Sure. Um, and then I'm, you know, I'm up and out. I'm just, I'm running around, you know, all day. Like Are you a coffee drinker? No, I don't drink coffee. Uh, I don't drink coffee. I drink so much coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so today I've been, um, you know, on the south side, dropping my son off, you know, to school, the, the, the MPS school he goes to, uh, downtown back in my district on the northwest side, now here on the east side, and then headed back downtown, and eventually to the south side again to get him, and back to the northwest side to do some other things, so just, just ripping and running. Yeah. And it's a day in the life. Yes, you are, you are on the go. Well, once again, thank you for being hey, on the show. Thank you for I appreciate it. You appreciate it. Referendum, Milwaukee Public School Funding, do it. Also, can I add, is it Please okay? do. There's another referendum on the ballot um, about uh, re the redistricting process. Uh, back in 2010, when Scott Walker be became governor and Republicans had a majority in the legislature, they enacted this gerrymandered redistricting that basically made it a guaranteed notion that Republicans would have a majority in the Assembly and the Senate, even though as recently as the 2018 statewide election, Democrats won way more votes than they did than the Republicans did statewide. Republicans still have a very deep majority in both the Assembly uh, as well as the Senate. And so there's going to be a referendum on the ballot for folks you know, in Milwaukee County um, saying, asking you, know, you guys whether or not you think the state should have a nonpartisan uh, redistricting effort. The answer to that uh, should be yes, so that your voice, your voice uh, is not diluted uh, in the legislature. Because right now you have folks that have um, no fear of losing their seats unless they get primaried by somebody who's even more extreme uh, to the right. And that doesn't tend to uh, help out communities like ours. So make sure you vote yes uh, on that question about nonpartisan redistricting uh, here in Milwaukee County as well. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. Thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time.